0: We have an anchor that keeps the soul. The anchor of the soul, with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. There are many folks who have a broken spirit as we speak. Our our goal, our aim in this study tonight, as I said a moment ago, is to encourage, to offer a glimmer of hope during this holiday period. There are really three basic things I want to cover in our study tonight, and what we're talking about tonight is very simple and yet very biblical first thing that I want to encourage all of us to do is to look back. Look back. And as we look back, reflect, remember. One of the things that I'm often called upon to do, and Jared and Brother Billy as well, to conduct funeral services. And there are many occasions when we struggle with what to say and how to say it. But one of the things that specifically we try to do is to call to mind some of the good things, some of the high points in the life of the deceased. And so when I encourage people to reflect, to remember, the goal is to go back and to think about the good times in life. Do you remember in Luke 16 when the rich man and Lazarus died? And Father Abraham said... To the rich man, son, remember. Remember that in your lifetime you received good things. Many of us have floods of memories, and you have many, many memories in your memory bank of the one that you've lost. Sometimes it's the memory of a touch. A spoken word, a smell, a hug, a special event, a circumstance in life. And it's difficult to to sum up a person's life in just a few minutes. But there are high points and there are good times that all of us can go back and reflect upon and think about. And I really believe that those good times encourage us. I remember some years ago, I had the opportunity to visit a friend of mine who was dying of cancer. And as I stood by his bedside, we talked about the past. And as I recall, I went into his room on a particular occasion. And as I entered his room, he was sitting in bed. There was no television, no radio. He wasn't reading. He was just sitting in bed and reflecting. And so over the course of our visit, we began to talk about a time when he used to live in Middle Tennessee by the river. After he had retired, he and his wife moved to Middle Tennessee, built a home on the river, and for, there, and for many years lived there. And as we talked about all of those good times, I remember he paused and he said, you know what? A fellow can live a long time on good memories. And that's true. God is the one that created us. We've been created in His image and likeness, as you well know. And God, as the grand designer, has afforded us with a memory bank, hasn't He? And so there are many, many good things that you can recall about the life of the one that you love. Or the one that you loved, who's now deceased. So I would encourage you to think about those good times. Think about those mountaintop experiences, the joys the highlights of life, if you please. And then there's a second thing as we look back. The first is to reflect or to remember. The second is to rejoice. Rejoice in the life that had been lived. You know, as I look at the Scriptures, I come to an understanding that we're not built to last forever, are we? You know, Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. The psalmist said the days of our years may be, we may live to be 70 or 80 years of age. He said, and those years are accompanied by strength, sorrow, and labor. But he goes on to say, it is soon cut off, and what happens? We fly away. So in light of that, he said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. And the idea is to understand that life It's very brief, it's temporary, it's transitory. James, as you well know, said that life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then what happens? It vanishes away. We are, as we say from time to time here today, gone tomorrow. So in light of that, give God thanks for the time that you had with your loved one. This afternoon, as I was reflecting upon this lesson, I got to thinking about experiences in life that bring us great joy, whether it's time with family or maybe it's a particular day that we vacation with family and friends. Many of us have been to places or we have been in certain circumstances and everything is so good and so right. It's just a great day. And sometimes during those times, you just wish it could last forever, don't you? But you know, all good things come to an end, don't they? I remember years ago, we went to Disney World, and the highlight of it was to take our son who loved Disney and to go down and to let him see firsthand what it was all about and the joy of that day. But you know, night falls and the day ends, doesn't it? Well, in a way, that's the way life is. Had a friend of mine one time, we were talking, and we were talking about some good times in his life. And he said in a very profound but simplistic way, he said, you know, all good things come to an end, don't they? And that's true. Paul would say, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. As a Christian, we give God thanks for all the many blessings that we enjoy in this life. And we give God thanks for life itself, don't we? And to those who have died in Christ, let me tell you what, our loss is their gain, isn't it? Isn't that what Paul said? To depart and be with Christ is far better. To live is Christ, to die as gain. There are some who have battled illness and disease and they have fought the good fight, but they're now in a better place. And we give thanks for that. This past Tuesday, Jared and I had the opportunity to visit June Brents. I really don't know if she knew that we were in her presence or not. We stood by her bedside. We spoke to her. We prayed for her, and we said goodbye. And we lost Miss June this past week. And for the past couple of years, the quality of her life has not been very good. But we rejoice. She's in a better place. Somewhat ironic that her best friend, Mr. Chuck, passed away at the end of 2017, and we closed 2018 with her death. And So look back. Remember and rejoice. There's a second thing I want to call attention to, and that is look up. And by that I mean look up to God. And I want to encourage us to look to God During the tough times of life, there's no way that I can adequately sum up your loss or the loss of a loved one in the life of a person. Many of us have hurt. We have wept. We have sought to console one another during losses over the course of this past year. And yet, through it all, we must look up to God and look to God during those tough times. Why? Number one, for comfort. And number two, for care. Do you remember the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in verse 3? He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. And listen to what he said who comforts us in all our tribulation. And note that little three-letter word, all. God has the ability to comfort us in all of our tribulation. Whatever the loss, how great the loss may be in life, God understands. God recognizes the void that is now in your life, and He will stand beside you, and He can offer you Comfort. Comfort that in many ways the world cannot offer. But there is a sense of comfort and care that we derive from God that quite frankly we can't find in any other source. Would you agree with that? You know, there is a passage, and I don't know how many times I've quoted it. I don't know how many times I've used it from this pulpit, but the reason I use it and the reason I quote it because I believe it is a passage that inspires and encourages. It's 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, where Peter said, casting all your care on Him. And the reason, he said, is because He cares for you. When you're hurting and tears are flowing down your cheeks to understand and to know that there is a God in heaven who is touched by your sorrow and by the hurt that you feel and that He is there for you. And so, turn to God during those difficult times in life. And as we think about turning to God during those difficult times in life, and as we consider looking to the Lord during those difficult times, I want to add to this thought to lean to lean on the Lord during those difficult times. Listen again to what Solomon said A merry, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, by, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. When your heart is broken, lean on the Lord. It's one thing to look to the Lord, but to lean on the Lord. And there are two reasons why I think we need to lean on the Lord. Number one is for the support that he can render to us. Do you remember in Psalm 55 and verse 22, David said, cast your burden on the Lord. And then he followed that by saying this, he will sustain you. He will support you, won't he? To know that there is a God in heaven to whom we can cast our burdens upon and then to recognize that that same God in heaven will sustain or support us during those times of difficulty. I got to thinking this afternoon about a poem that many of us are familiar with. A matter of fact, many of us have read it. I have seen it on so many occasions, and I want to share it again with you because I think it's really a very poignant poem and underscores the support that we derive from the Lord. It's called Footprints in the Sand. One night I dreamed a dream. As I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said, once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you the most, you would leave me. And he whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you, never, ever, during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then, That I carried you. You know, that's a special point. And I think that it reflects to many of us the support that we find in the Lord. That there's a God in heaven who has the ability to carry our burdens. And that's what the psalmist is saying in Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord with the expectation that he will sustain during those difficult times. And so there is a sense of support that we derive from the Lord, and then there is strength derived from the Lord. In Psalm 18, 1 and 2, David, many, many years ago, two times in two verses, claimed the Lord as his strength. In Psalm 37, The psalmist in the long ago said that the Lord was his strength in times of trouble. You know, when the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, he was imprisoned. And Paul said to those Philippian Christians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. To know that that there is a God in heaven who will give us the strength to make it day by day. Do you believe that? Aren't you grateful that we can look up to God? That we can look to God in difficult times during life, that we can lean on God during those difficult times. Now, there's a third thing I want to share with you in our study tonight. The first, look back. The second, look up. Thirdly, look out. That is, look out to this great, fellowship that we enjoy in Christ. Do you remember many years ago, Peter talked about in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, that we are people of light, precious faith. The Bible tells us to love the brotherhood. Don't we have a mighty brotherhood? And we are connected together by our faith in the Lord. And this sense of fellowship that we enjoy, unlike anything else, It's one thing to be connected together biologically. But we're connected spiritually. Now some of us are connected biologically and spiritually. But there is this spiritual tie that binds us together. And so when we talk about looking out and finding hope during the holidays, there are two things here I want to share with you. The first has to do with the prayers of the saints. As you think about prayer, to recognize that prayer is a tremendous blessing afforded those of us who are in Christ. Paul would tell us in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 that every spiritual blessing resides in Christ Jesus. And Peter said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. Solomon said, the prayer of the upright is his delight. One of the great blessings that we have as Christians is to request fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for us. That's true, isn't it? How many times have you asked people to pray for you? You know, there are some things in life, there are some experiences in life that we can only do so much, but we can all pray for one another. When Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 25, Here's what Paul said to that church in the long ago. Brethren, pray for us. Paul was an apostle. He was a great missionary. Paul was a tremendous evangelist. He was a writer of some 14 books in the New Testament. And here is this great Christian giant, spiritual giant, And he is requesting those saints to pray for him. So I want to encourage you, reach out to those that you know and love and ask them to pray on your behalf. Jesus in Luke chapter 18 said that men ought to always pray and not faint or grow discouraged. And so to understand that we have the right, we have The privilege of requesting people to pray for us. In James chapter 5, you remember James talked about the power of prayer, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And don't we have the right to pray on behalf of one another? Yes, we do. So, first, we request the prayers of the saints, and then, secondly, I would suggest that we rely on the prayers of the saints. There's a great passage in the book of Acts in chapter 12. In the Bible, Luke, the inspired historian, talks about the persecution that was sweeping the church and Herod was leading the charge. The Bible says that Herod had James killed with the sword and because it pleased the Jews, he had had the apostle Peter, (coughs) excuse me, He had the, excuse me, I'll get there soon. He had Peter, anybody got a gun? I've got some water here. It's tough getting old, isn't it? He had, he had the apostle Peter, Apprehended and placed in prison. And so, down in verse 5, the Bible says that the church prayed to God for Peter, prayed fervently for him. And you can read about Peter's release. Oh, thank you, sir. How about that? Cold water. So the early church spent a lot of time in prayer and we ought to rely on the prayers of the saints. They did in the first century and we ought to in the 21st century. And then there's a second thing I want to share with you. First has to do with the prayers of the saints. The second, and then secondly, the presence Of the saints, the presence of the saints. And I want to begin by saying that Paul in Romans chapter 12 talks about sympathetic saints. He said, Rejoice with them that rejoice, but then he said, And weep with those who weep. Can't we be sympathetic to one another? Many of you, you understand what it's like to lose a loved one because you've lost a loved one. And so you can sympathize with those who have lost the love of their life in many respects. Paul speaks about sympathetic saints and also compassionate comforters. I mentioned a moment ago, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where Paul talked about the God of heaven is the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. And he said, He comforts us in all our tribulation. And the reason is, he said, so that we may comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And so all he's saying is, as someone who has been hurt in life, Suffered in the past, and derive comfort from God, you can in turn comfort those who are hurting. You can be a comforting, you can be a great source of comfort to others in this life. And then there is a third thing, and that is we are burden bearers. Do you remember in Galatians chapter 6 at verse 2, Paul said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There are a lot of burdens that people bear in this life. And I suspect one of the greatest burdens that we experience in life is the loss of a loved one. And yet, through that loss, we can help to bear the burdens of others. So we can be sympathetic, we can be comforters, and we can be burden bearers. So the presence of the saints, I, I think sometimes one of the worst things for people during a loss is that sense of loneliness. Loneliness. That void. And that's where we come in. That's where we can we can help fill that void. I'm not saying that we can adequately fill the void of the one who is deceased. But we can be there for those who've lost loved ones. And our presence says it all. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, we are so thankful for the many great blessings that we enjoy in Christ. And we're grateful for the love that you have for us. And Father, we understand that there are many, many people who are hurting tonight. There are many who are part of the church family here at Isla Branch who are hurting because of Losses sustained over the course of this year. And we pray, Father, that you would bless and comfort and strengthen them during this holiday period. And we pray that you would give them the strength and the courage and the comfort that they need to get through this difficult period of time in their life. We are so thankful that we can look to you and cast our burdens on you. We're thankful to know that that you are with us and by us come what may in this life. And Father, as we close out this year, we ask a special blessing upon all who have lost loved ones. And we pray that as we reflect upon those that we have lost, that we will do so with a sense of joy, remembering the life that they had and the time that we had to spend with them. In Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. Tonight we want to extend the invitation. It might be that you're here tonight and you're not a Christian. And we want you to know that Christ died for your sins. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. If you're here tonight and you're not a child of God and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you would be willing to walk away from a life of sin through repentance, confess the name of Christ, be immersed in water so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 22:16), 16, you can leave here tonight redeemed, reconciled, cleansed, a part of the family of God. And you can go to bed tonight knowing that you're in fellowship with God, that one day you can be with Him in eternity. You know, Jesus said, Be faithful until death, the promise being the crown of life. There are lots of trials and tribulations and temptations that we experience in this life. And yet, through it all, we have to persevere and maintain our faithfulness to God. The assurance is, heaven will be our home. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Anchor hold in the storms of life When the clouds unfold their wings of strife When the strong tides lift and the cables strain Will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.